Oh, you're not. Oh, so mine wasn't on. Is that better? Yeah, there you go. Okay. It's funny how that happens. One um, of these days, we're going to get it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's going to be flawless entry. We're just going to go right into the <laughs> podcast. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. All right, so what are we going to podcast about, guys? Podcasting. Now the podcast has begun. Man, that was a great prayer. Yeah, Yeah, that was a long one. 19 minutes and 34 seconds. That's good. We need to catch up. We need to have some bro talk. Yeah, dude. You know, just bro out. Mm -hmm. So, beautiful day out. Yeah. What do you think of the weather? Weather's awesome. Mm-hmm. Got the Cubs on tonight. Know what I'm saying? Ooh, yep. Cubs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm nervous. <laughs> nervous about that. Go sports team. Go weather. Go local sports team. It is yeah. a good night for a baseball game. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> what I want to talk about, too, I think it just like toes the line for the podcast i want to talk about confession practicum mm. the other day but i don't i i kind of want to like with with uh the two presenters yeah yeah I, it just yeah all right cut this too connor we'll start okay. in a minute <laughs> <laughs> and another thing this is amazing right now okay because yeah. this is actually how the podcast works mm-hmm. <laughs> just sometimes we come up with something to talk about you got any good like consumer reviews or recommendations <laughs> for the area I just, I just bought some sunglasses online oh yeah yeah some ray-bans they came in the mail today you want now Ray-Bans. we're moving now nice. we're moving. yeah mm-hmm. and we're hey, on to something did you get the book that i ordered you yeah i did actually i uh have it on my coffee table i haven't opened it yet but it's on my on my coffee table of books to read nice mm-hmm. nice yeah thank you for that yeah. Somebody, somebody what, also what just dropped off or... two books for me today. So nice. I'm set. And I ordered myself probably the next book I'll read after I'm done with this Willa Cather book is, you want to guess it? It was made on the cover. It says, now a major motion picture. Oh. Blade Runner. Two words. First word's a small word. Uh, Blade Runner. No. Bug's Life. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's Bugs Life, the novel, the original. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's first thing that came to my head. No, it's, it's a major motion picture now. Yeah, uh, I'll give you a hint. Narnia. The guy series. who the main character was the guy from, I think, Sherlock, John Watson, the new, the new Sherlock, the British one. The Cumberbatch? Not him. His assistant. Was oh, that the guy that played uh, Bilbo in The Hobbit? Oh, ding, 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 ding. Oh, The Hobbit. Yeah. Nice, dude. Yeah, about The Hobbit. I think that I need... Um, I'm little, Speaking of things that we can't put on the podcast that we were talking about earlier that we'll never see the light of day, I think I'm just too yeah. wrapped up in the like the nitty-gritty of what's going on today that I, I was just talking to my dad about this while we were watching the Cubs game the other night. Uh, cause t- politics comes up all the time in my house and I get tired of it, man. 
but I can't look away. You know, I keep reading it every day and things that happen. I hear people talking and stupidly I read Twitter. I don't know why I do that. Um, and that, that kind of puts you in because I'm interested because it's a fascination. It's a curiosity, which according to Bernard is a vice. Um, and then that leads to curiosity, leads to curiosity. That's the whole principle of the YouTube vortex. It's just all about curiositas. Oh, another four minutes. I got another four minutes, but it doesn't just cost you four minutes because it leads you down this whole thought train. Uh, As a dis- dark place. Distracting you from it. And, and my dad <laughs> was like, my dad's like, you know what? I just need to be informed enough for the next election. So I don't have to keep reading this stuff and thinking about this stuff. You know, like read actual stuff that you're interested in that gives you life. And I was thinking about when I was reading Lord of the Rings and how cool that was to have a refuge, you know, when I had downtime. Instead of watching TV, instead of sort of escapism or or diving into things that are unfixable and confusing and everybody has to, is required to have a strong opinion about, like, I'd rather just read about elves. Like, I finally understood what you guys were talking about a couple of years ago when I was against it. Like it is nice to just go into fairyland and root for the good guys in a fight against evil. You know, that's very clear and uh, also kind of whimsical. So I'm hoping The Hobbit provides me that escape. I think you'll like it a lot. Yeah. And then there's another one after The Lord of the Rings called The Cimmerillion. Have you ever read that? I think I that's not. actually I think it's actually before the Lord of the Rings. Well, Lord. yeah, it's like a prequel, but yeah. Yeah. Right. I've read a little bit of it, like a couple of chapters. It's not as much of like the kind of elaborate narrative though, I don't think. Yeah, it's more of like a history of Tolkien's world, isn't yeah. it? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah, I've for heard nerds? it described as the old testament of the Middle Earth. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. That makes sense because the Lord of the Rings is kind of the New Testament. Yeah. Although, I mean, I'm yeah. sure he would hate that analogy. Don't you think? Who? Tolkien. Oh, Tolkien. Probably. Because yeah. he, he was all against the allegory thing. We talked about that before. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what it was. That's what I was looking for. It was like just a story for story's sake. Um, I don't know what that says about my current spiritual life, but I actually do feel good. Um, I've noticed that a lot of my prayer. Well, I came up and did that theological reflection group at Mundelein. That's when I saw you last, Rob, eating breakfast there. Which, by the way, did, oh, I, did I totally interrupt your guys' book club? I thought about that later. It's like, that's t- oh, yeah, typical Seabisk. Like, hey, you guys, you're doing something? Mind if I just ruin it real quick? No, that's exactly what happened. But it was great. <laughs> I mean, I, like you, yeah, it was good, good combo. And yeah, Jacob was like thrilled with like what you said about the book too. So oh, okay, not a prob. All right, but yes, you did. Sometimes I listen to the when I'm editing the podcast, I listen to myself. I'm like, man, I just talk over. I just talked over them. I didn't even think about listen to what they said. <laughs> it's good to be aware of that stuff. Yeah. Um, what was I saying about books? A book's uh, life. Oh, short, my prayer life. Your um, prayer and theological reflection. Oh, yeah. yeah. Going and talking to those guys, because um, these groups are just, they're just captures of like something that happened to them at the parish. And you, uh, these are, I guess, from your guys' weekends in the parish. Are you there every weekend, every other weekend, once a month? The guys, um, besides the deacons, are there like maybe eight times a semester or something. So it'd be like every other. Mm. I think I can't remember exactly. It's not every weekend, but it's a lot of 
weekends compared to what it used to be. And then I think oftentimes they'll go like a time during the week yeah. too. Okay. So they're, I mean, they're there a fair amount. Yeah. So you guys are not on that program. You're on a separate track. You go every weekend. Yeah, pretty much. Mine's a little unique because I'm in the the diocese, so I'm driving farther. Um, but every weekend I mean, for, you go down to your diocese. Uh, a lot of them. Yeah, uh, a lot of them. Yeah. So I, I guess being with those guys and hearing their experiences, it it just took me back to being a seminarian, going and doing pastoral work, like whether it was um, in the nursing home my first year or the soup kitchen, the second year, RCIA, the third year, like when you're in that incubator of the seminary and learning all this stuff, then the, the pastoral work tends to glitter a lot more, especially because you're doing a lot of reflecting on it, like required reflecting such as verbatims or these captures and things like that, where your assignment is to take a small experience and really unpack it, uh, which is helpful if for no other reason than you notice experiences that you have. And when you're in the parish full time, it's constant. Those those things are not anomalies; they're constant, and they become routine. Um, but it was helpful to me to be up there and listen to those guys and pipe in with my own two cents uh, as a parish priest. But in the aftermath, sort of taking time in the evening to reflect on some of the stuff that's happened to me during the day, like conversations that I've had or people that I've been with my own reactions, my own feelings as I interact with them. Like, for instance, last night, a couple comes in uh, wanting to get married and they're just really, really young. And the girl is 21 and, you know, talking to them and and feeling like one-on-one you have the questionnaire. But usually the questionnaire is just, you know, are you free to marry? Have you ever been married before? Do you t- intend to be faithful, to be open to children, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I don't really go too much into detail, but having them separated, I, I really like wanted to check individually, you know, are you ready? Do you understand what this is about? Like they're already civilly married and have a kid. Um, but yeah, I felt very protective. I almost felt like a father in that sense, uh, of like, I'm vetting this guy and making sure this girl is making the right decision and. Even if, even if it is the patriarchy, I do feel like there was some that was moving to me uh, to feel that way towards a person who I just met, you know, but I felt like I was responsible for as her priest. Like she's coming to me. I have a conscience. I can't just sign off on, oh, you want to get married? Go ahead. You know, because they're getting married in another church somewhere else, but I have to do the paperwork. Um, hmm. So it's like the most banal thing you're doing paper you're preparing paperwork to send downtown to get these dispensations or declarations or or whatever done that's the most legalistic thing you would do it's but um at the same time like the people that are there in front of you i guess as a seminarian or as a brand new priest i would have noticed that a lot more um but when you're in it and that's your constant work you it's the same thing with confessions once you hear a hundred or a thousand confessions, like each one is not earth shaking or you're not nervous anymore. You're just kind of getting through them and you start to notice patterns. And, but every once in a while it stops in your tracks and you're like, wow, this is a, uh, this is a human being who's 
story. I don't know the backstory and I don't know where he's going or she's going from here, but this is a critical moment in this person's life of grace. And I happen to be an instrument and sort of the gratitude of that. It takes, I guess it takes some time to actually be grateful. You know, you can't just like let these things wash over you, go to sleep, take your day off, go back and do it again and really appreciate what a gift it is to be a priest is my point. Yeah. And, and so you're saying coming up and doing that with the seminarians helped you to yeah kind of refocus on on some of those good things that are easy to miss out on because you see them so often. Yeah, that and, and the seminarians are just good guys. Like, it, I mean, it really encouraged me. Hmm. Um, you know, and some of them are really, really young, too. And you feel that same kind of, I don't know, big brother, father sort of role. Like, yeah, this is good. But what about this or go deeper here or push them a little bit. So I was just yeah, getting I had a, up there. I had a kid come up and say, well, we had father Connor day and TR totally didn't expect it. It was really, really good to have him. So they were excited to have you up oh, there. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. Right on. Hey, hey. Pretty sweet. Nice and nice. You know, I did have, um, I guess it was a, a type of an invitation from the Lord, um, just in terms of prayer and um, growing in relationship with Him. One of the big things that I've struggled with since being in seminary and growing in the spiritual life is this balance between knowing that the Lord is in charge of all of my prayer and in charge of all of my holiness and in charge of... Um, all of my relationship with him. He's the first mover in it. He's the beginning and the end of it. But then also trying to figure out where I fit into that in terms of what do I do to facilitate that relationship. Um, and I think for a while in seminary, my spirituality started to turn into some type of, uh, this is maybe a bit of an over-exaggeration, but this kind of ethereal spirituality where it's like, God, I, I know that you're with me. There was never any doubt about that. Um, but just this invitation from the Lord to start doing more um, in order to go deeper in that relationship. And my initial thought when that, when, when that invitation came to me was, well, there you go. Back to your old Pelagian ways. He's going to, going to do it to make it happen. Um, but I started to notice, like, I've slowly been going to confession less and less. I used to do, like, you know, I, I try to go about every two weeks, once a week during Lent. I remember that being a Lenten penance. And um, when I first got here, I really wanted to wake up and do a holy hour in the morning. And I did that all my first year and, you know, getting up early and really working hard at your spiritual life. Um, and then... Of course, like having that growth where, yeah, realizing that I, I didn't feel free in doing those things or I felt like I had to do them in order to be in relationship with the Lord. But then kind of realizing that I had, I had grown slack with a lot of that stuff and like wanting to go to confession more often and wanting to have better holy hours where I was getting to the point where I was like fitting in two 30-minute holy hours. I think I, I talked about this before on the podcast. So I, I started to break down 
like, okay, what am I actually looking for here? Is this a type of Pelagianism? Am I trying to do more to grow in relationship with the Lord? And I guess I felt some freedom because I realized like, like anything in terms of human relationships, um, like you have to set time aside. Um, and we have spiritual disciplines within the church to, um, essentially block time off for you to grow in relationship with the Lord. And so me going out of my way to do these things and like making little sacrifices to, um, yeah, to pray more, to have better holy hours, to go to confession more often, or to even pray more intensely during mass, like more intentionally, um, that I guess I kind of realized like I'm not being a Pelagian and I'm kind of excited about it because, um, I've actually wanted to put more effort. Like I have a greater desire to wake up and, and pray in the mornings and I have a greater desire to actually pray my breviary. It's insane how quickly I went into, um, like just saying the words every day in my breviary, uh, not really getting much out of the Psalms. Um, so actually this past week, past couple of weeks, it's been really good to to work hard at my spiritual life and not feel like a Pelagian. Huh. Um, and yeah, I guess part of that freedom, like I said earlier, was realizing that using the spiritual disciplines that are part of the tradition of the church, um, knowing that God has given me the grace to do those things, has given me the freedom to to work hard at my prayer life and like inconvenience sometimes and saying no to certain things, um, which all this may sound very obvious. Like, of course we need to do those things. But, um, I think I had fallen into this idea where like, yeah, God's always with me. So like, Hey, just take care of it. And I know exactly what you're saying. Making my, making my prayer life secondary because, Oh, God's with me. So he's got it taken care of. I relate to this. I don't oh. know if I'm saying that well, but... No, I think you did. I relate to it a lot. And I don't know if it's the spot... I'd be curious your thoughts too, Bisque, but something that's been um, big in me. It's interesting that we both, like, without talking about it, got up and started doing the 6 a.m. holy that hour. Is, on, yeah. on the day. On the day. And we haven't... Wow. I mean, like, we've done it every day since. Yeah, that's uh, really wild. So, anyway, <clears throat> but, uh, um, like... A line that um, I, I was actually I was talking to somebody um, a few weeks ago is a guy that's like discerning priesthood a little bit, and I recommended the book um, by Father Brett to save a thousand souls. Nice, and it just hit me. Um, and this isn't a critique of like anybody or any like institution or whatnot, but like I we just don't hear much about the notion of like and we don't talk about it much, of saving souls. Hmm. And so I've been really, like, praying with that. Um, and even, like, uh, the Little Flowers whole line of, like, she went to Carmel to, um, like, w- like, to pray for priests and to save souls, right? Isn't that the line? And um, and I don't know. That's just, um, it's got me really, really fired up. But it's very similar of, like, that line to like save a thousand souls or to save a soul, et cetera, means it has like a radically um, different context in my own heart than it did five years ago when I had to like yep. will this or will that, you know? And uh, 
Well, and it but, was on your your own terms, basically. Like, I, I want to yeah. do that because it sounds cool to me. Or this is. But how I've I even thought about to go. Even like this year, as a as a deacon here and like in class and stuff like that. It's like if that's not what we're about, then we are off. Mm. Yeah. Like, and frankly, and that I'll say that about like whatever. I mean, the podcast, the seminary, like whatnot. If that is not what we are all about, then like that is wrong. Yeah. Um. So that's. It's different, but like what you said initially, I relate to that a lot in my own yeah. prayer life. And you know, and actually, this is kind of to the saving souls line. Um, it actually came in our confession practicum class on Tuesday. Um, our presenter was giving uh, basically her her story. It was very intense, but she talked about getting to a moment where she had called a helpline and was very vulnerable with this lady, was emotionally distressed, and uh, she kind of spilled her guts to this lady. And our presenter said, then the moment came where the lady had the chance to either crush my soul or Mm -hmm. save my soul. Yeah, yeah, wrote it down. And that is a moment Mm -hmm. that is real, Mm -hmm. where we are put in moments, not every day, I don't know, I don't know how often that they are, but there are moments where the person in front of you can make or break a situation. Hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean that God isn't there or that grace hasn't preceded it or will come afterwards for sure. Right. But there is a moment there where whatever her name is ha- had the opportunity to crush her soul or to save her soul. And now this lady works in the seminary and is doing is a saintly lady. Oh, gosh. You know? Yeah. And so you can see the fruit and the effect and the reality of that moment being lived out in her own life now, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I can even imagine like as a priest in the confessional, uh, just the number of occasions that you have where you can crush someone or you can save them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think that was, that was one of those moments where I was like, yeah, those, those moments are very real and they're not devoid of the human will. They're not devoid of the human activity there. Well, that's a, even, and I, it was a big moment for, it was a grace, that was just yesterday, I guess, but Dr. Hilliard's um, Reformation class, that's the most, like, I don't know what to call it, because I love Dr. Hilliard. I mean, he's a great teacher and a great man. And, yeah. Um, but I just found that to be kind of like the most, candid isn't the right word, or like, I don't know what it is, but he stopped and he was just talking about, uh, we were talking about like the Jesuits starting up and like kind of how, like all these things up to the, up to this point in the church kind of led up to this moment and blah, blah, blah. And he was like very earnest. He was like, if you guys hear one thing, it's that very, very small acts and very small things drive church history. And he literally said, he was like, very few of you in this room are going to be bishops. And probably none of you are going to be the Pope. I mean, most of you are going to be, I think what he meant was like, most of you are going to be very unknown to the world parish priests. And he's like, you have to believe and know that like, that is what drives church history is like those moments. Um, so it's just cool. It wasn't something that like he, he did he doesn't talk like that very often, which I was super appreciative for him to, to say it so anyway it's just another tie-in to that whole thing yeah i think appreciating how high the stakes are i i guess i can see it both ways why 
Pelagianism, as we're talking about it, which is basically <clears throat> thinking you can be saved without God. That's what Pelagius said, was that yeah. you didn't really need grace to to live a sinless life. Maybe the grace of forgiveness for your previous sins, but if you were disciplined enough and you use the resources at your disposal in human nature, you could get to heaven on your own. And that's a heresy because heaven is God. And the whole point of even our good works are <clears throat> to grow into intimacy with Christ. And the, the whole sacramental economy of the church, that that the church is the sacrament of Christ and Christ is, is the sacrament of God, pardon me, <clears throat> um, it only makes sense that as the, the church does what it's supposed to do, meaning us, making manifest Christ and therefore God, who is love, in the world uh, through our common life together, through our worship and our, our good works, um, that, that all of that is growing in intimacy with God. It's, it's the exitus reditus thing of, of Augustine, where like the world is created, but it's destined to return. I mean, to God, it's, it's, it flows out of God's being, but it only makes sense as it returns to it, you know? Um, and so like the simple example that, that Blaha gave in his homily a couple of weeks ago in the gospel about the, the vineyard, you know, the one you preached at here, uh, Mike, the, Oh yeah. Yep. Everybody gets the same wage, um, even though they work different hours. Like the, his idea was that the point is not the wage, the point is the work is your common is what connects you to the master, you know, and there's nothing for you anywhere else except here in this vineyard. So in some ways, the work itself is the or the result of the work, meaning the friendship with the master is the point of the work, not the wage. The wage is just to get you there, you know, or to feed your your needs. And he gave the example of when he made beer as a focus missionary with one of the guys he lived with. And he was hoping that it would be kind of a bonding activity. This seemed like a very common focus thing, making beer. Did you do that as a focus missionary, Rob? Um, <clears throat> or I anybody tried that did? to make beer one time and it didn't turn out well at all. And so my boy, Carson Kane, who's going to be a priest in a couple years for Lincoln, nice. God willing, just pretty much drank this stuff by himself. Like <laughs> oh, taking one for the team. Sugar water yeah. stuff. I don't know what I did wrong still. Uh, well, this was kind no, of no, Nick's point was that it's very, anyway. very delicate process and you have to be extremely meticulous um, about the cleaning and the uh, the cooking of the wort and all this stuff. And, and he was becoming not belligerent, but just very short with the guy he was working with. And, you know, hovering over him and criticizing him or saying, like, I'll just do that myself. And because um, he wanted it done right. And the guy goes, you know, if you want to do this by yourself, I'm fine with it. Not in like a catty way. Like he's saying, like, fine, if you don't want my help, then I won't give it. It was more just like, seriously, dude, the only reason I wanted to make beer with you is because I wanted to do something with you, you know, was effectively what he was saying. And Nick was saying that he... He realized in that moment that he had made it about the beer when it was really about the friendship, which is kind of corny, but it's true. And that's the way the spiritual life is. So I guess the point is like what, what I hear you saying, Mike, about like feeling like you can work hard at your spiritual life, but not be a Pelagian is that there's one of two reactions to that beer thing. You, you can say, 
Well, then all we really need to do, you know, we don't need the beer. The beer is not important. The friendship is what's important. So you just sit there and you're like, let's be friends. But you're not doing anything together. Your friendship's not actually growing. But there is also a way of making the beer that hurts the friendship or doesn't make the friendship grow, which is when you're concentrated on just making the beer without the help of the person. You're like, I could do this better on my own or I don't really need this person. You get what I'm saying? So like there's there's a freedom in and this is interesting you guys went to the holy hour on the same exact morning and i've been feeling sort of this way for about like the past year that it's time to just get serious but not in the way that maybe i would have been tempted to earlier on in my life which was i'm going to make a program i'm going to set out goals i'm going to get a spreadsheet and i'm just going to you know get perfect uh because that's not (laughs) let's get perfect you know what i mean let's get perfect (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't help anyone and let's become superhumans right and it's a yeah. it's a impossible but b not even <laughs> not even desirable you know because often our weakness i think that's the mark of maturity is when you realize the truth of saint paul's thing about when i'm weak i'm strong that god's grace is made manifest in weakness yeah that always no, used so, to puzzle me well um, even even on this like 6 a.m holy hour thing is exact it was not the fruit of like a spreadsheet or like going through my week and mapping out every hour to like make sure prayer was in there, like blah, blah. But it wasn't that it was like very much like, I feel like from the Holy spirit and in the heart. But at the same time, like it just comes down to getting my ass out of bed in the morning, even if it's not going to be like the most fluffy Holy hour. Like if I'm dozing in there, which may or may not have done this morning, you know? And it's like, dragging down there yeah it's like i will be in that chapel yeah at six in the morning yeah um i don't know there's a difference between the two there really is because like even this morning my my legs were so sore this morning i i could barely get out of bed just from this this tournament from this past weekend which has actually been like it's very clear i'm in the second stage of my life when you play like three soccer games and some volleyball and I can hard, I need crutches. I honestly <laughs> thought that I need crutches. Old man. You know, but I'm, I'm sitting there in bed like I could sleep for another 45 minutes to an hour. Or Mike, use your willpower and get out of bed because you need to and you actually want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amazing thing about it is like at the beginning, it wasn't. The first the first morning was awesome and you kind of feel good like I did the right thing. This is great I can see the immediate fruits of it and then like the subsequent three are super Drowsy and like oh hey god. I forgot you were in here. I'm just like (laughs) hanging out You know reading the bible or whatever um but over time it's it's kind of it's worked on me and I've noticed that during the day I am now more free to spend time with people that I want to spend time with, more free to do homework. And I actually can feel it in my heart that I'm more oriented and more fully desire just simply to do the right thing, to do good, instead of having like having to fight off these massive desires to watch YouTube videos and at, at night before I go to bed. Like I want to read and go to sleep so I can wake up and and pray and then have a full day tomorrow. Hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually been, it's been incredibly fruitful. Um, but it has come from a massive act of the will. 
and in the past, I would have thought that those that that was like an indicator that this wasn't a free choice, but it's actually been a free choice and has led to more freedom throughout the day. Um, yeah, and and I especially I think about it like when I come home, I I try and talk to my family and like different spiritual discussions will come up, and my family's very very busy and, um, you know, I, I, somewhere in the back of my mind, I always have this thought of like, oh my god. Everyone's just running around doing stuff like a bunch of activists and like don't they know that like the Lord is just with them if they would just sit still a while and then they, they could just receive the love of the Lord, you know? And my dad's like, dude, what are you talking about, man? Like I have eleven kids mm-hmm. and I'm I work a full job and I'm traveling all over the country and I have so many things on my mind, I can't even tell you like what's up and what's down. And somehow he makes it work. And he wakes up in the morning and prays intensely because that's his only time to pray. Mm-hmm. And he needs something concrete. Um, and I guess that's what I'm realizing as well. I need something concrete. Yeah, something to do to grow in relationship with the Lord. Um, that's the beer making, dude. That's the rosary. That, like, you, That's my point is that just because God will love you anyway doesn't mean that you are being transformed by that love by you know just saying that or trying to recognize that or being like well i might not have prayed today but god still loves me and i you know it's not about what i do and um it's a it's it's a delicate balancing act and it's not even a balance it's a it's a tension you know you you have to be doing something you know like yeah will god still love you even if you slept in that extra 45 minutes Yes. Well, does he understand that your legs are sore because you're aging and you're not as athletic as you once were and you never will be again because you're old now? Yes, he well, understands that. I mean, I'm my athletic prowess is still peak. Okay, so let's <laughs> well, I just don't it's, it's recover debatable. us quickly. Right. We just need to be specific with our language. I'll get it back. Just gotta, <laughs> yeah. I got to hit the gym a couple weeks. I'll get But yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that... Um, yeah, you have to, you, it's consistency. It's a question of consistency, you know? Like, what if you said that about your wife? Well, my wife will love me anyway. I don't have to buy her flowers. I don't have to tell her I love her. I don't have to, you know, do the things that communicate that love to her um, on a regular basis. She loves me anyway. It would be it would be cheap to say, like, like, it would be like some counterfeit version of love if I was trying to earn it all the time, you know? You're not earning it. You're responding to it and you're cultivating it, you know? Um yeah, I don't know. It's just a, it's so easy to fall from one temptation, like you resist one yeah, temptation and fall it, into man. another one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is it. That's it. I did it. I figured out what we were talking about, and then I said it, and now we're done. Good. Get we perfect a bow on it. Got that all figured out. We're getting perfect, boys. <laughs> just we're one more be... thing off my list. I figured out another mystery. The Ubermensch. <laughs> yeah, but it's. I. I mean, I. Obviously, it's the Lord, and like I, I guess I've just been really, really grateful for Him because um, I actually thought your grace yesterday, Rob, was spot on. Um, like I also feel stretched very thin. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot going on, and you know I'm not one. I actually don't like it when people just say how busy they are, and um, and and so I try not to say that as as often as possible. But legitimately, I have a lot on my plate, and yet I don't feel overwhelmed. And, 
uh, I think a lot of it has just come from um, like having some of these firm disciplines in place and letting the Lord like work all around those things. Um, yeah, it's just, he's found a way to take care of me in this time where, where I am very busy and I have a lot going on. Um, and I, I am grateful for it because it does make me feel, um, it makes me feel more connected to people. Um, and makes me feel more connected to, to the Lord and, and, um, yeah, I guess to reality is like, the everyday person has a ton of stuff going on and yet there there are very real ways that we can take time to to grow in relationship with God and doing those things going out of your way to stop and read a spiritual book every you know over your lunch break is important and not just calling to mind God's presence but actually like putting some time into your spiritual life uh yeah it's not pelagian and as a matter of fact, it's, yeah, it's a very good thing. Um, but doing it from a place of freedom. So whatever that switch is, um, where you're not just doing it by yourself as an act of the will, but as a matter of fact, doing it in conformity to God's will and responding to his invitation of love. Uh, yeah, it's a, it makes the whole activity totally different. Um, yeah. So I'm just kind of sitting in the gratitude of that because it's honestly nothing that I did. Like I just decided to get up and and do it one morning and he's just kind of ushered me along each of these days. So yeah, grazie prima. Three dogs north are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.